And this brings me to what I believe. I believe that life is a spiritual struggle. I believe in being gracious to others. I believe in the power of science fiction. I believe in singing badly. I believe that God lives in the space between people. I believe in so much more than freedom of speech. And I believe that it is time we all took a stand. This I believe. Welcome to This I Believe. I'm Dan Gediman. This week we mark the 45th anniversary of Earth Day, which was first observed on April 22, 1970. A lot of things have happened in the intervening decades as it relates to the environmental movement. In the early 1970s, the EPA was established and many important pieces of legislation were passed. The Clean Air Act, the Clean Water Act. And yet, 45 years later, the challenges of keeping this planet habitable for future generations are still daunting. People have responded to these challenges in many ways, joining environmental groups, lobbying state and local governments. But many people do their part in smaller ways. Purchasing hybrid vehicles, installing solar panels, and for some people, choosing to live in much smaller homes that require significantly less energy to maintain. When today's essayist Joel Booten served in the Peace Corps in Tanzania, he very much enjoyed living a simple life. After returning to the United States and once again getting caught up in the cultural norms of daily living in this country, he came to realize he would be happier and healthier living more simply in a very tiny house. When my students ask me why I live in a tiny house, they ask it in light of all the sacrifices I am making. They know that I've given away most of my possessions and moved from a large apartment in the city to a 128-square-foot custom-built home on wheels in the backyard woods of dear friends. They know that I forego running water, internet connection, sewerage, and a reliable phone reception. I am often surprised to find myself stumbling over my answer, as if defending what I assume to be a perfectly logical decision. I mean, doesn't everyone want to live more simply? Or at least can understand my own deep attraction to it, I think? But alas, in the wise words of Monty Python, we are all individuals. I'm not. When I lived in rural Africa, I recognized some jarring facts. Too many to list here, but four that connect to the pertinent question. First, it was possible to be happy, genuinely happy, while living with fewer material possessions. Second, my body responded well, in health, fitness, and mood, to following a schedule more aligned with the natural day and night cycle. Third, pardon the cliché, but the most valuable possessions were not material possessions at all. Observing the daily sunset, hosting friends for days at a time, reading and journaling and letter writing, and exploring natural wonders in my spare time, all were free and invaluable experiences. And fourth, I had often confused necessities with luxuries, and only when living without them did I realize, sometimes surprisingly, that they were not necessities after all. Television, electricity, running water and a toilet, a telephone and a computer, a vehicle, I could not escape the reality that they were all wonderful luxuries, and not, by definition, necessary for my survival. What was necessary to my survival proved to be a rather short list. Healthy food, clean and potable water, a heat source, weather-protecting shelter, weather-appropriate clothing, and, equally important, 
friends, and intellectual and physical stimulations. When I returned to life in the U.S., I couldn't help but sense a deep, uneasy conviction that life was suddenly, for lack of a better word, plastic. Not plastic in the malleable sense, so much as in the synthetic, phony sense. I felt disconnected from the earth, from others, from my food source and my waste disposal, from the natural cycle of my body and the earth, and from the productive pursuits that I once cherished but now found myself too busy to enjoy. How was it that I was now earning literally 40 times my Peace Corps salary and was less healthy, satisfied, and deliberate in my daily schedule? I found myself asking, what is it to be rich anyway? In short, I was not living deliberately here. I was following a social script written and directed by forces outside my control. It felt inauthentic, arbitrary, and meaningless. So last August, I took the plunge. I let go of most of my possessions, and I moved into the tiny house on wheels because I wanted to see if I could, in the U.S., live a more deliberate lifestyle reminiscent of my lifestyle in Africa. And so far, several months into it, so good. No inconvenience, all minor to begin with, has offset the multiple positive benefits that continue to come from this change in lifestyle. At least in this time in my life, I believe that I have made the right decision. That was essayist Joel Booten. Since returning from the Peace Corps in Tanzania a few years ago, Booten has found what he calls his dream job, teaching psychology and global studies at St. John's Preparatory School in Danvers, Massachusetts. He joyfully resides in his tiny house on wheels, thanks to the generous hospitality of his friends, who lent him yard space for his little home. We at this, I believe, will understand the importance of the generosity of friends. Indeed, this podcast could not exist without the support of our friends, friends like you. We encourage you, if you've not already made a donation in support of this podcast, to visit our website at thisibelieve.org, click on the Donate button, and make a contribution of any amount. And while you're there, you can see a photo of Joel Booten's tiny house on our homepage. Remember, the only way we can keep this podcast going for another year is with your support. Please go to thisibelieve.org right now while you're thinking about it and make that donation. It will feel so good when you do. I'm Dan Gediman. Thanks for supporting this podcast. We'll see you next week.